0: Listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. Well, hey, people, it's actually been about two weeks since I did a podcast, and there's a few reasons for that. I'm going to tell you, I tried, man. I actually sat down and recorded about five different versions of a podcast on family Uh, living life in tune family last week and I just I just couldn't I just didn't feel like any of it was very inspired you know the longer I live the longer I parent the more I realize I don't know so I was just like well yeah I've raised three kids I got uh they're all grown I got uh for grandkids, you'd think I'd have some really profound advice, but man, I'm no James Dobson. And for those that are just joining uh, us in this series called Living Life in Tune, I was using the guitar. I'm a guitar player, and I was using that as an example of how different areas of our life are under constant tension, just like the strings on a guitar. And uh, the most important pedal on my pedal board is a tuner pedal, because I have to constantly check my tuning. The best guitar will go out of tune and our lives will go out of tune. And I label those strings as faith, fitness, family, finance, friendships, and field of endeavor. These are just different spheres of life where things can go out of tune. And uh, to really prosper in life isn't just to be successful in the financial area. To really prosper in life is to be successful in all of those areas. And all of those areas are apt to go out of tune and need to be brought back into tune. And so I guess the purpose of this podcast isn't really to offer the most profound advice ever on these topics, but really just to kind of get us all thinking uh, about how there is constant tension. And, you know, the good thing about tension is that it makes us Pay attention, you know when it comes to family life. For example, I've there's a scripture, and I don't have these references in front of me, but Jesus talks about you know whoever uh, loves their mother or their father and other family members and so on more than me is not worthy of the kingdom. Uh, And then Paul Co goes on to say later in one of his letters that uh, if you don't take care of your own family, provide for your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So there's this tension there. Like, well, wait a minute. Okay, Jesus didn't say I can't love my mother and father and my kids and my grandkids and all. I just can't love them more than I love him. And which brings me kind of to a point, I guess, a principle that I live by. Um, I, I sometimes say from a stage in prison, after I talk about Susan and I, uh, we're just about to celebrate 38 years of marriage, which is a, a flat-out miracle if you knew our background. And uh, and we spend 360, 365 days a year together, almost 20, 24 hours a day. We're just together a lot. We live in a camper, and we're not at each other's throats. You know, we have our moments, don't get me wrong. But we love each other more today than we ever have. We're, we're getting to do this incredible adventure to, together, which, coincidentally, let me, another rabbit trail here real quick. This is a principle that I learned a long time ago, that for you married couples out there, um, you know, one of the things that will hold you together is a great adventure, is vision for doing something together, whether it's planning a vacation or buying a house, having kids, launching a business, whatever, that 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 just somehow gels you together, and it and it, it causes some conflict here and there, of course, and such is the case with Susan and I. We're always planning something new, some new thing, and, and because we work together, what co-workers don't once in a while butt heads? but it really is glue that keeps us together is we're we're about the father's business we got some exciting things to do together and so I, that 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 is a kind of, a you know, not original with me. I read it somewhere or heard a marriage counselor say at one time about how important it is. You know, that's why sometimes couples, for example, um, after the kids are grown, they, they get divorced. They go their separate ways because they weren't doing anything together other than raising their kids. And I think that our kids really need to see us living a great adventure. And so, anyway... I, I tell Susan, you know, uh, one, one of the re- I've said this from prison platforms too. One, one of the reasons that we've stayed together is that you'll never be my first love. Ooh, that that kind of stings on the surface, doesn't it? But it's a great thing. As long as Jesus is first in my life, we're going to stay together because I got to give an account to Him. I got I got to be led by Him, right? And so that is critical. You know, I used to. Uh, I won't say I'd laugh, actually, I grieved a little. Every now and then I'd have a couple come in for some sort of counseling, which I'm not a marriage counselor, but I was a pastor, and so they would come in and want advice, and the first thing I'd say is, are you surrendered to Jesus? And, you know, the husband might say, I don't know, not really. I don't know if I'm really—I'm like, well, I want to say— um I can't really give you the ultimate advice that might really help. <laughs> you got you've got to, you've got to bow to an authority much higher than you. That's what, I don't cheat on my wife and I don't wrong her without asking forgiveness and making things right because I got to come before the Lord. And you know there actually is a scripture. I think it's in one of Peter's books where it talks about our prayers can be hindered because of conflict uh, with our partner. And so anyway, this tension of uh, You know, I want to love God and serve Him with all my heart, but then I have family that I need to take care of. So one Christmas, I was my kids were still little, and I wanted to get them a computer. Everybody's getting computers. This is circa 97, 98. It was 97. No, 96. 96. It was right before my brother was killed. And I got this part-time job. I was a full-time youth pastor, which didn't quite pay enough to buy a new computer for my kids. And so I got a part-time job at Circuit City, Rest in peace. It was the best buy of the day back in the day. And uh, and you know, I'm not really a salesperson at all, but I I I knew I had to do something to earn some extra money. They were hiring holiday help. And I went to work at Circuit City selling computers. And I could learn more about computers, get a discount on computers. And so that was cool. Well, I was helping a guy take his computer to his car, and I was really struggling because here I was, I'm I'm trying to do something cool for my kids. But I'm also spending a massive amount of time away from them. Uh, I'm, I'm not home because I'm always going off to this second job. And I was just really struggling. Like, how do you find this back? It was attention, but I was paying attention. And so I helped this guy take his computer to his car. And uh, somehow, through our conversation, I learned that he was a dentist. And I was like, hey, you know, I know this may seem weird, but you've got this really professional job that I know is incredibly demanding. How do you balance, you know, because he was talking about his kids. He might even have his little kids with him. I said, how do you balance being a dad that provides nice things uh, but also a dad that's present, you know? And he looked at me and he said, as long as you're asking that question, you're on the right track. Wow. Isn't that cool? You know, I guess I was looking for... A place where, um, you know, everything would just be perfectly in tune and stay in tune forever, you know, as far as family and work. But no, no, God wants us reliant on Him. You know, uh, Lord knows kids will keep you on your knees, won't they? He wants us before Him, seeking Him, praying for our children and uh, seeking His Word for wisdom. You know, there's another passage uh, in Scripture, and I wish I had all these references in front of me. Actually, I may have this one. Um. No, I do not. Uh, there's a proverb that talks about a good man leaves an. Oh, wait, it's Proverbs thirteen twenty two. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now you know that's very challenging when you're trying to answer the call of God on your life and minister to people knowing you know, you're probably not going to land the big bucks doing that. You know, there are the the few out there that have made a lot of money in ministry, but that was never my motive, and I'm not saying it's theirs, you know. but So it's like, wow, you know. So I've always carried life insurance. There's a little piece of advice for you parents out there. Uh, Somebody recommended it to me when I was a very young man. I got my first just term insurance, life insurance policy. If you don't have a life insurance policy, Go get one; they're not that expensive. Don't leave your kids with a mess if something happens to you. You know, before Susan and I took this last trip and hit the road, we thought we were going to be on the road for eight months. Uh, but yeah, obviously the pandemic had other plans. Uh, but we we did our wills over again. You know, our kids have, have grown up since we did our wills. We want to, we want to leave our kids the best inheritance we can. And so there's some life insurance and. And we try to get our books in order and all that stuff for them. So that's part of it. Uh, But I think the greatest inheritance, and my kids have even said this to us, uh, that we we can leave our kids is an inheritance of a life of faith, a life of faith. One of my, my biggest prayers when I was a young father, I just could not imagine something happening to me and my poor children not having a dad. And it was just—it just scared me to death on a regular basis. And I would pray, Lord, Lord. And I was a cop for ten years of that. Lord, protect me. I want to be there for my children. And how my heart grieves. I, I know children that have lost their fathers in law enforcement, and it's just—it just. I pray for them, and and I know God will give uh, that single mom the strength uh, to carry on. But it is a valid fear, and I would pray, Lord, let me live long enough to see my kids develop social attachments and a spiritual life outside of me. Because, you know, when you're a young father or a young mother, you are like God to your kids. You know, you're their their provider. You're their protector. And so, you don't want that to happen. So, the Lord has answered that prayer, praise God. And, uh, you know, It's just been a constant tension trying to walk out the calling of God, live the great adventure, but at the same time realize, man, I could probably make more money doing A, B, C, or D, but God has called me to do E, you know, and and so there's a tension there. And you know what? Through it all, let me just encourage you. uh, I can't give you a formula, but I'll tell you this. I didn't have the money to take my kids to Disney World. I worked at a church of 300 people, and there were not a whole lot of big bucks rolling around that place. One day, once my kids were older, they were probably in their early teens. I guess Kendall was probably later, like about 15 or 16. And I never had, you know, families all taking their families to Disney and stuff. And that's like the big thing you're supposed to do as a parent, right? And I don't have the money. Could I go get a job and make more money and be able to do that? Maybe. But then I'd have to let go of the calling God had put on my life. I got a call from some parents. They wanted to have dinner with Susan and I at a local restaurant. And uh, they had a couple of kids in the youth group, and I was like, oh, Lord, that's usually not a good thing. What have I said? What have I done? Did I hurt some little buck's feelings or whatever? And and so we went to dinner, and they brought a catalog of timeshares and wanted to offer us a full week, seven days, at a five-star timeshare uh, anywhere we wanted to go. And uh, we chose one in Orlando, right outside of Disney. I said, "Man, if we if we get to stay at a place like this, somehow maybe I can come up with the bucks to buy the 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 tickets to take my kids to Disney." And uh, so, look at that! Isn't that amazing? How God just looked out for us. And so, and I mean, I wasn't hinting around church about taking my kids to Disney or anything. This was God just saying, "You know what? You've been faithful. I'm I'm not going to let you your kids feel disenfranchised. I'll take care of you." you you just love me, follow me, and I'll take care of you. And I got to preach that to myself even today on a regular basis. And so uh, what happened was, I, I started trying to, I, we priced out the tickets to Disney World. And this is like 2003 or four or something like that. And uh, And they had this deal called the Park Hopper, where you could go to all four parks. And I was like, Well, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to get my kids. We'll be there for a week. We'll have four days. You can go to each park. Wouldn't that be awesome? Do I have a 1000 bucks to do that with? I don't know. Let's start scraping. Let's start cutting the grocery bill. Maybe somehow, some way, we can come up with enough to do this. Well, I had contacted a friend of mine. Uh, He's actually on the Board of Life on the Verse today. Uh, And he uh, was part of a children's ministry back then. And I had written a song when I, I had still been a cop, and I'd written a song called J E S U S. Interesting story behind this song. And it was cool for youth group uh, back in the 90s, but it was kind of childish as we moved into the 2000s. And I said to him, I said, you know what, this is back in the 90s. I said, Hey man, why don't you take this song and take it, make it part of your kids' program? They travel all over the country putting on these kids' programs in churches, and uh, and sure enough, they did, and it was a hit. They kept it on their playlist, their live playlist for their big kind of Nickelodeon events for for like ten years. When they tried to take it off, kids wanted it back. It was a song that kids loved to sing along to. And the funny story is is that the Jonas Brothers sang my song as kids at a church that they went to. Uh, but here we are, flash. Forward to the two thousands and my buddy now, I think he was a pastor. He might have went back on the road. He kinda of went back and forth pastoring on the road with his family, doing this children's thing. But nonetheless, he knew that we were trying to go to Disney. And they I never asked for a nickel for that song. And uh I, I didn't I you know, I just gave it to him, said, Hey, go use this. And he said, You know what, man? You, we never gave you anything for that song. It's been a real blessing to us. We're going to buy you the tickets. Sent me 1000 bucks, and I had all four tickets. Didn't ask for that. God provided it. So all that to say— is that my kids saw that happen and they have seen other things happen over and over again. You know, some of you may follow my son Matt's success. You know, I think through his Twitter feed and all that stuff, he can kind of look like a cock- cocky, uh, you know, self made man kind of guy. But he knows, he knows that dad told him. Hey, come on the road and serve God in prisons. Even though right now you're struggling with your relationship with God, you come out here and you use that gift you've got and you give it to these men that don't have anything else and you watch what God does. And uh, man, I mean, those men were so blessed by his music. And initially, Matt got really mad because he couldn't experience God, but they were experiencing God through his music. You know, he was frustrated. But for a couple of years of living with mom and dad in a camper and doing nothing but prisons, he began to find his way back home. He actually alludes to that in one of his songs, Unconditional. Uh, he talks about, Dad taught me to find God on my own. Let me tell you something. That is an inheritance. My son didn't have to write a song and drop a line like in like that in there. He's actually referred to our family numerous times uh, through through his music. And that's because he's watched this faith life. He's watched it unfold. Listen, I'm not boasting in my great faith. I do it trembling, folks, sometimes. I do it bitter sometimes, like Ezekiel did. He went and did what God told him to do, but he said he went in bitterness of spirit. I'm a human being. I'm a flesh creature. I, I gripe and murmur sometimes, realizing there ain't going to be no blessing there. I better get right back on my knees, get my hands raised and surrender, and get back on the horse serving God, right? And so... This has been a great inheritance. I've been able to uh, we've been able to give our children is living a great God inve- adventure right in front of them. They've seen when we didn't have enough money to do this or that, and God just blessed in a crazy way. When you look at what happened to Matt, I don't know if you know the story, but you know he celebrated having uh, his song Cringe on the Billboard charts, number one alternative rock song. That means it got more airplay than any other alternative rock song in the United States of America for four weeks in a row back in August, September. Beat out Billie Eilish and a whole bunch of bigger names uh, Just about uh, two or three weeks ago He had one of his songs in its entirety uh, As uh, the closing segment of a whole mini-series Called uh, How to Get Away with Murder, I think Not a fan of the show, but pretty awesome And he knows that that came as a result of a miracle That that came, you know, when uh, he came to me while he was on the road And he said, Dad, I think I'm supposed to make a living in music He was doing prisons with us at that time. And a lot of people I respect saw the gift on his life and they actually prayed over him. And I said, Well, son, you know that lifestyle can destroy you. But if God wants that for your life, you'll know He did it. He came off the road, got a job waiting tables, ended up recording a couple of songs in a friend's bedroom uh, on a computer. Posted those songs on SoundCloud, and within, I don't know, a couple of weeks, he was being flown to... New York and Los Angeles auditioning for every major label uh, and ended up signing with Atlantic's neon gold branch. And just amazing. It's amazing. And, And am I boasting in me? No, I'm boasting in God that if we will trust God and we will step out on the dream, that's why I'm so big on dreams and going after visions that God gives you, digging those things up, man. Your kids, our kids need to see us Living a faith life, not just dragging them to church and beating them on the head with the Bible, though that can be important too. You know, I could get off on that segment. We planted the Word of God in our kids, and we did bring them to church. But we realized, you know, I was probably only about 12 years old when I was going to do what I wanted to do when mom and dad wasn't around no matter anyway, right? And so we do got to put that foundation there, and we do got to pray for them. But I do think it is critical that we lead by example. We lead a faith life by example, that our children see us. You know, our, our kids, you know, uh, I think they, they uh, I, I don't know, maybe even intimidated by the level of faith that Susan and I have lived by. You know, uh, life on the verge has been nothing but a, a, a faith walk from the beginning. okay. What does that look like? Well, it looks like my wife working at Nordstrom full-time while I'm traveling around in a 20-year-old van staying in a tent so that I can perform at Daytona Bike Week in a couple of prisons down in Florida. Uh, it looks like, you know, well, we're going to send a letter out to 23 people and pray that enough money comes in to start something up. And it did. It's, it's do what you can where you are with what you have and God won't leave you where you're at kind of stuff that I always, you know, that's one of my life mottos. And so I'm preaching this stuff to myself, friends, because the tendency is to reach a plateau in life and uh, kind of like, uh, well, I'm just going to coast. No, there ain't no coasting. You're either in tune, you're moving forward, singing the song God puts you on this earth to sing, or you're out of tune, you're going flat, and you're going to rust and fade away. And so we're we're always either living life on offense or defense. You don't stay in the middle very long, and the devil figures that out and takes you out. And so, uh, while I, I I could give you a, a bunch of points and and poems, this actually the the five times I recorded this podcast last week, I don't think I said half of what I just said. You know, I, I was trying to come up with some great deep things, but I, I think that uh, you know uh, the 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 biggest deal of all is is somehow modeling a lifestyle that causes your kids to want to trust God, that God has a better life for them than they could ever design for themselves. And you know what? Many times... um, we we we're not going to live to see our kids talk to our grandkids when they become you know adults or at least you know down the road. I mean I'm almost fifty seven. I've lived another forty years maybe. But you know what I'm saying is that the generations uh, that my kids talk to and their kids talk to about man my 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 dad when Matt tells a story of his success, I know that. It's taken his hard work, his skill, his ability, and all that. So I certainly am not laying claim that my great faith caused all this to happen. But you won't find an interview with Matt uh, on the Internet, for example, where – they're not talking about Life on the Verge and his roots. Matter of fact, his manager told me um, that he was just as drawn to Matt's story as he was his music. And so I'm, I'm really bragging on Matt Anna. Uh, I got two other incredible children. Um, Kendall, who's raising three boys, and she is crushing it. And the beautiful thing is... Is that she is calling Susan on a regular basis just to talk, to get advice from? We're best friends. Brittany is raising little Ella down there and getting ready to buy her first house, doing life well, trusting God, living full on for God. Man, this is an inheritance that God has let us leave our kids. We are not perfect. Good God, my kids know we ain't perfect. We screw up. We drop the ball. We, we, you know, I. I didn't say some things I'm ashamed of, you know, at times when my kids were raised. I have a temper that's gotten much better over the years, much, much better. Lord, my temper was probably on a scale of 1 to 10. My temper growing up was probably about a 19. Today, it literally, I can honestly say it's it's below a 5. It's 2 or 3 probably. Uh, I get angry here or there. But, I mean, I used to punch holes in the wall and all kind of stuff when I was a teenager. I was full of rage and anger. And so, uh, you know... I, 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 Our kids, for example, we have this uh, chat that we have back our text group called Cranberry Sauce is Not a Sauce. My son named it because he hates cranberry sauce, but we communicate on that thing all week, you know, every, just about every day. We're, we're sharing a funny meme or we're talking to, to each other as a family, and you know, we've gone through some great triumphs and some great tragedies, but it has only solidified us as a family, and I don't mean to uh, relegate uh, or just say that family is only our kids. I have an aging mother. I'm kind of in the, the sandwich between I have a mother I have to care for. We, we do the best that we can to fulfill the call of God on our life, but also take care of her needs and make sure her lights stay on. And I call her just about every day. And, and so there's a tension, right? It is challenging. Uh, but if we pay attention... God will give us the wisdom. We'll know when we need to do what. And so uh, I did have a couple of other things in here, things I did wrong, things I I think that uh, that I, I did wrong as a parent that may help you. Uh, I still do some of these things wrong. One, uh, I, I offer too much unsolicited advice. We definitely, I think, we need to be better listeners than we are talkers when it comes to anybody, really, but especially our kids, and as they get older. You know, there is a, there's a there's a quote I read somewhere about no man really lives until his father dies. Are you kidding me? I text that to my son immediately. I said, son, don't wait for me to die to be who you need to be. You know, he's like, don't worry, dad, it's all good. You know, uh, because the thought there is that we as dads, and moms can do it too, we can put such expectations on our kids By all the advice we give them, that they are so afraid to disappoint us and step out of bounds because they didn't go to the college we thought they should have gone to or we didn't do the thing. You know, uh, let me say this, and I I know um, uh, I'm talking about Matt a lot, but you know dads and sons it's it's uh, there's probably been more conflict when he was younger anyway he definitely when he was a teenager everywhere you read an interview that he's done it talks about his dad wouldn't let him listen to secular music uh, which is true, by the way. Uh, when he was twelve or thirteen, it may have been older, but you know, secular music, the lifestyle of some of that stuff messed me up as a teenager, and I think I overcorrected there. Um, and so we've butted heads on and off through the years. Coincidentally, he asked me to come play with him at Lollapalooza and Bonnaroo and other things unsolicited. So we're all good now, right? But we had conflict back then, and uh, but one of the things that I think that I did right when it comes to listening better than you talk, better than giving advice. It just made me think of it about, you know, where your kid goes to college, is that when I saw, you know, I showed Matt a couple of guitar chords, maybe a piece of a song or two, and he went off to his bedroom uh, with my guitar and played that thing incessantly. And I saw he was being homeschooled. He was probably about 14. And you know what? He wasn't doing real good at history and math, but he loved that guitar. And so he would stay up till 3, 4 in the morning writing songs and banging away on the thing. We got nine noise complaints at our condo. No electric guitar, just him screaming his lungs out at 3 o'clock in the morning. We almost got fined, almost got kicked out. He would sleep late. He wasn't doing real great with his schoolwork. But I was listening. And I said, you know what? This boy has got a passion at a very young age. He knows what he wants to do, what he wants to give his life to. Why am I going to beat him on the head and say, son, my expectation is that you get a college degree and you get a job with such and such, you know? And so uh, to my credit, at that point, I I think that we, Susan and I, listened uh, better than we gave advice for how he ought to live. And I think that that was, we did well there. But I have given and still have to catch myself giving unsolicited advice to my grown children. I have to check myself and say, you know what? They know where home is. They know that if they need advice. We're going to give it to them. And there is this, We nobody wants to make a mistake in here. I told you so, right? And I, I guard myself against doing that. Shame on you if you're a parent and you, you drop that on your kids. You know, don't do that. I told you so. You know, God don't do that to us. And so, uh, Anyway, I know I've rambled on and on. Maybe there's been a nugget here or there that you've picked up. Um, I, I would say another thing that I could have done better is I could have intentionally made more memorable moments. Um, those are critical. You know, if you got small children especially, you know, give them something to remember. There's no greater uh, family time to me now than when all of my kids are together and they get off on this. You remember when You remember when dad did this? You remember when mom did this? You remember when we did this? That is incredible. We gave them memories, crazy stuff, man. Whether it was sitting at the dinner table and suddenly I just squirted whipped cream all over Susan's face, you know, maybe that's not in your makeup, but I'm a little loony. Uh, but I did it intentionally to make a memory. I, I, I could have done that more, but I, I did do it quite a bit. So I didn't get it all wrong. But if I, had, if I could go back, I would do it even more. You know, I will say that I did when I could. I would go have lunch with my kids when they were in elementary school. We had daddy dates. I would take one kid out with me, try to keep you know keep equal amounts of time. We'd go do something that they wanted to do. We did that quite a bit. But I, if I could do it again, I would do it faithfully uh, and do it more. I went on field trips with them. Uh, I insisted upon dinner around the table most nights. Uh, these are some of the things that we got right. But if I could do it over, I'd do it even more so. Um, I would create memorable moments. Let me let me give you an example. Of, uh, uh, a good Lord, I'm talking a lot about Matt. Y'all just bear with it, okay? But one day, well, you know, he was the one. Dads and sons, moms and daughters. You know, we can kind of, I think that dads and sons, we can read each other a little bit better. You know, we think they're, they're thinking the way that we think, which can be dangerous, by the way, because they're not always thinking that way. But... So, you know, Matt was already kind of getting a little stubborn. I mean, at 11, 12 years old, right? I was, we were butting heads already. And I think it was around 13 or so. I came home one day, and I randomly, I said, Matt, let's go camping. Wasn't planned. Grabbed the tent, grabbed a couple of, you know, whatever, book bags. And I took him up to the priest in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and uh, we hiked up there. It's Crabtree Meadows, Crabtree Falls, beautiful, beautiful area. Nice little hike to this wonderful peak that overlooks, you know, beautiful part of the Blue Ridge of the Mountains. And uh, we had a fire and everything. We got up the next day, hiked down the mountain, probably went and got something to eat and came home. Now, that's when he's like, ah, he's probably about 13. Flash forward, he's now in his mid-20s, I don't know, 26 or something, And uh, he's coming home from his rock star life to spend a few days. And he says, hey, Dad, why don't me and you hike up at the priest? Why don't we we take a trip up there and hike up to the top of the priest? I'm going to tell you, man, it makes me go, wow, I wish I would have done more random things like that. I had no idea it meant that much to him. And darned if we didn't. We went up there and we had some great father-son talk, you know, and just a great fun time together. And so I would just encourage you. Man, do whatever it takes. Prioritize making those memorable moments with your kids. Maybe I'll do a part two of uh, of this and give my other kids a little more press. Um, what are their names again? Uh, seriously, you know, Brittany chose to bring her new husband and live with Susan and I in our home and travel in a camper. Four adults, four Chihuahuas on the road. One trip was six weeks in a camper designed for weekend getaways with a small family or a couple. Uh, it was seriously uncomfortable doing all these prisons all over Florida is where we went and traveled couple thousand miles. But she chose to do that and chose to be part of our ministry and work for our ministry until she got pregnant and had a baby and said, you know what, this ain't going to work. And that's cool. We would totally respect that. But she chose to do that. And oddly enough, Brittany, being the middle child, has actually probably been the most, uh, given us the least amount of issues through the years, put it that way. Um, and so, uh, and then, you know, Kendall, who has got these three boys that are incredible. I, I, I'll i get their ages wrong. Lord have mercy, help me. I think they're. I, I don't think Jack's 13 yet. I think he's 12. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Anyway, they're in the age range of 9 to 12 to 8 to 12, something like that. I think it's 9 to 12, 9 to 13. Nonetheless, Kendall chooses to go on vacation with mom and dad, with her kids, and, uh, and, and looks forward to coming and just hanging out at our house. And does that mean I got it all, all right? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, admitting our mistakes to our children can be very, very important. Having those talks at the right time uh, and listening to them can be really, really important. I'm still learning, man. My kids, uh, I think I will get this right. Kendall's 32. Uh, Brittany is 29. Did I get that right? Lord, Matt's 27. Something like that. I think that's right. <laughs> But, hey, I'm still learning to be a parent. You know, maybe you came from the most outstanding parents in the world and you had the greatest role models. That can be intimidating, though, can't it? Uh, I'm still learning. How do I be a dad at this phase of life? How do we parent well at this phase of life? And I think that that looks like getting out of the way a lot and not dropping huge expectations, giving a lot of unsolicited advice, that really does send signals that I'll be happy with you if you do it my way. And so, hey, Lord, I tried, man. I'm not James Dobson. I just threw some things out there. Maybe you heard something. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a bonus. All right, this is the last thing, I promise. I know I've gone OT, but if you're in it, if you stayed in it this long, I am going to give you some profound parental advice if you have smaller children that argue over the front seat. Are you ready? I didn't learn this in a book. I didn't get this from a sermon. This was direct revelation from the throne room of of God. My kids used to fight like cats and dogs over the front seat. I called it. I called shotgun, and it would make me so mad. And, And so one day I just said, you know what? Kendall, you're the oldest, so from the 1st to the 10th of the month, you get the front seat. Brittany, you're the middle. From the 11th to the 20th of the month, or 21st of the month, you get the front seat. Matt, from the last 10 days of the month, uh, you get the front seat. And if there's 31 days in a month, Matt gets the bonus because he gets robbed in February. So, hey, there you go. You got that for free. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a blessed week. Go read some James Dobson or some people that have a whole lot more uh, to offer. But there's a little bit to kind of at least get you checking your tuning when it comes to family life. Bless you. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. You can learn more about us at lifeontheverge.com. We're a completely donor-funded ministry that carries the good news to prisons around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast, by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister. Thank you for letting us be just another voice of inspiration in your journey.